Let's go to Mark chapter 16, the last chapter of the book of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is, by the way, the most condensed of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, there's so much beauty in uh, all of these Gospels. We're watching Jesus in his earthly ministry. How about that? What a pattern. What an example. Signs and wonders followed him. And uh, I want to show you, corresponded to that, how as it went with Jesus, God had it go with the early church. And I propose to you that because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, we should share and carry the same expectation and the same aspirations that the early church expected when Jesus told them to launch out and that he would be with them and he'd confirm his word. Let's see here in verse 14. It said, afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table and he had to to straighten them up. He reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. You ever had God deal with you and correct you? I have try to drive some of that unbelief out and, and uh, help us to have a tender heart. By the way, Ezekiel prophesied that God would take out the stony heart and give us a heart of flesh, a tender heart. And um, there's something about that, having a yielded heart and a submitted heart to the Lord. We're to keep our heart with all diligence, Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 4, because from it flow all the issues of life. This is how we can become better husbands or better wives. This is how we could overcome and the difficulties of life be a better worker on the job. And in fact, I'm going to teach you about this on practical terms. And I believe that before the night's over, you're going to aspire to some things and it's going to stir up a hunger in you. But it says here that he rebuked them for the hardness of heart and unbelief because they had not believed those who had seen him after he was risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And it said, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus had spoken to them. After he'd spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word with signs following. Hallelujah. That's pretty good, isn't it? Now, there's a gentleman named Howard Carter. Howard Carter was a spirit-filled minister back Oh, the last hundred years, uh, Lester Sumrall traveled with him about 10,000 miles through the nations of uh, China and other countries. Lester Sumrall said that was one of the highlights of his life, following and being uh, around Howard Carter. Howard Carter wrote a beautiful book. Actually, it was a transcription from a convention where he spoke, and people asked, had a question and answer period all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in the introduction, Mr. Carter says this, the importance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the essential functioning of the church of Jesus Christ cannot be overestimated. Without them, the church lacks the spiritual equipment outlined in the first epistle of the Corinthians, chapter 12. 
which is so necessary for an aggressive conflict with the powers of darkness. So he had been in places that where people were, you know, possessed by demons. It was very, very harsh, 1920s, 30s, and isolated places that had never heard the gospel. And he realized that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are articulated at the last part of the book of Mark, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 just to highlight this because we're not to be ignorant of these things. I just want to teach this. I'm teaching on miracles on Friday night, and a gentleman here from the United Methodist, pastor from the United Methodist Church, he's here, and then a, the, the, the lady next to him is a Lutheran. And uh, the, I'm, I'm telling you that this is a subject that's available for all of us. It's, it's trans-denominational. It's for everybody. And it's for today. And this is, in fact, what Howard Carter uh, insists upon in this book. He says, the Bible is full of God's supernatural dealings with his people. He says, uh, the experience of regeneration whereby we become new creatures in Christ is supernatural. Christians also readily admit that the devil is supernatural in his person, power, and activities, yet the same Christians are inclined to shrink from the thought of a supernatural baptism in the Holy Spirit with supernatural signs attending it and the ensuing supernatural gifts. Uh, the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, He that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And it goes on and says, and even greater works. He also promised, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But if we ignore the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we, we despise the heritage which is granted to us in Christ and forget what the Apostle Paul exhorted in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, and I'm going to just read this. We're going to spend a little bit of time in this chapter, and uh, I, my goal is that you will be inspired in your faith, you'll recognize the pertinence of these, these scriptures and the, the, the vital aspect of why we need to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Now, it says in verse 1 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians in the New American Standard Translation, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I do not want you to be unaware. Now, the King James says it a little bit differently. It said, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. The root word for ignorant is to ignore. And uh, Hosea, what is it, chapter 4, verse 6, says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. On the other hand, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So as we hear this, and as we see this, and I'm reading this introduction from a pioneer of the spirit-filled movement at the very beginning of the last century. And he's, uh, he's basically exhorting us in no uncertain terms that uh, this is our heritage. And uh, he said, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. So bear that in mind. Should any advance the argument that gifts, that the gifts were bestowed merely to usher in the present dispensation and that they are, quote, not for today, unquote, let us quote the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost who said, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. Acts chapter 2, 
verse 39. So this is where Howard Carter uh, reveals the pervasiveness of God's plan, not just an isolated moment in Jesus' earthly ministry to be capped off at the end of the last life of the last apostle and then no more, but the argument here is that if every person is called to be a son of God through faith in Christ Jesus, that person is also, in consequence, a prospective recipient of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for wisdom and for guidance and for supernatural reinforcement for those that are already initiated along this line. I pray for clarity to come. I pray people uh, would get such hunger for the things of the Spirit that we would never be the same. May this be a life-changing moment by your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, two places in chapter 12 and chapter 14. Let's go and let's look at this. Um, it says in verse 31, earnestly, in chapter 12, verse 31, it says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I show you still a more excellent way. And he goes into the, the love walk. And by the way, everything that we do in Christian life has to be done in love. These three abide, faith, hope, and love, but actually the greatest is love. Faith works through love. If we have faith to move mountains, but we don't have love, we're nothing. If we have faith to speak in tongues and move in great power and preach eloquently and we don't have love, it's useless and so forth. We're a clanging symbol. So it's really an admonition that chapter 13 is the basis for how we're going to function in this marvelous calling to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I heard a story years ago about Spurgeon, and actually Howard Carter wrote about it in this, this uh, introduction, uh, about, well, you know, people say ignorance is bliss, but it's really not. We need to grow up in all aspects in him. And he tells a story about uh, someone that, that due to... Um, illiteracy, didn't know what she had. Listen to the story. The celebrated preacher Charles H. Spurgeon, great Baptist preacher in London uh, in the late 1800s, was a very charitable man. He built almshouses for elderly people and loved to visit them in their homes. On a certain day in one of these cottages, he noticed on a wall a slip of paper that had been in a frame. Uh, on which was some writing. Upon asking the elderly lady what it might be, she said that it served to remind her of an aged gentleman that she had cared for many, many years prior. He had been very appreciative of her work and could not thank her enough for all she had done for him, so she cherished this piece of paper that had his signature on it, so much so that she put it in a frame. As he lay dying, he wrote his name on this piece of paper and handed it to her. So she framed it. And uh, whenever she looked at it, uh, the, it, it reminded the elderly lady of how kind the guy was. But Mr. Spurgeon requested that he would be allowed permission to take it out of the frame. And she said, of course you can do it. He immediately hastened to the bank, presented it to the bank teller, and asked if they knew anything about this. They told him immediately that they had been wondering for a long time to whom the old gentleman's money belonged. That they, there, were, and there were hundreds of pounds 
standing to his credit for this elderly lady who had kept the check in the frame just to remind her of the one she had cared for. So she was living in poverty, and because of ignorance, she didn't actually know what the paper was. It was a check willing his money to her because he appreciated her so much. And uh, the point that, that, that I think Spurgeon was making that Howard Carter took to us is that it can be the same with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or for that matter, all, any and all of the provisions of God. For lack of knowledge, my people perish. Uh, it's not sufficient to regard God's promises and his word merely as a token of his love toward us. We need to present them at the bank of heaven and thus turn into the currency of spiritual experience the inheritance provided for us. So we've got to see these things manifested in our lives before we die. We've got to trust God that what he's initiated in us goes beyond theory and beyond a quaint a dogma and it, it translates into actuality so that he will be exalted, so that people will be delivered, so darkness will be pierced and penetrated, demons will flee, society will be impacted before the end comes. So the reason I'm preaching this is because uh, it, it's, it's super important. And, and these signs followed those who believed, and God worked with them, and he confirmed the word with the signs following. So now, let's go in and take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on this, and I'm going to break down the spiritual gifts that Paul the Apostle presents to us here by the Holy Spirit. There, if you're a note taker, they're in uh, three categories. They're the gifts of revelation, they're the gifts of power, and they're the gifts of inspiration, as Howard Carter articulated it. So I'm going to just show you this now. So let's read this. 1 Corinthians chapter, first of all, again, 12 verse 1, concerning spiritual gifts, the translation in the Greek could be said this way, concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, brethren, he's talking to Christians, I do not want you to be unaware, ignorant, in the dark, naive, oblivious. I want you to be in the know. Okay? So you need to read chapter 12. It talks about the, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good and so forth. But here it says, pursue love, verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1. Desire earnestly spiritual gifts. The King James says something amazing. It says something that's hard to even quote because the, the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not covet. And yet, somehow God wants to bring that weighty word and say, on the other hand, though, I want you actually to covet earnestly spiritual gifts. Paul said that he got convicted of being covetous. Uh, you know, that's this, this insatiable craving or hunger or desire. And we're not to have that for our neighbor's possessions and so forth. And yet we are to covet earnestly the things God's provided for us. How many of you think it's unfortunate that that lady lived in poverty up to the time when somebody who could read read that that was a check with a signature on it and that the man had willed in his graciousness in his last moment the, his, his substance to this, this lady. And that yet because she didn't know it, 
She didn't experience it until somebody had to come along and shine light on it and go and get it taken care of. Hallelujah. Well, he said he wants us to desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. And then it says, but the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. So now we see God's wanting us to get hungry and thirsty, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to hear from God. Now let's go back. We're going to shuffle back and forth to 12, 14. Let's go back to 12. And now it says here, it says in chapter 12, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. I mean, witchcraft, incantations, sorcery, seances, all these kinds of things. These people, the Corinthians, were practicing these kinds of things. And then he said, but therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he's He's trying to bring some delineation between the idolatry and the Jesus life of following after Jesus. And he's saying this is paramount that you understand Jesus is Lord. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. You know, a lot of people, you know, they talk about self-actualization. They talk about empowerment. They talk about diversity. There are all kinds of words thrown around in our modern time. God has all this covered, and has had all this covered since the Garden of Eden. He has, he has detail, he has plans, he has a supernatural grand design, and we have access to his throne, and we have the mind of Christ. How about that? And here it says, there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. See, God works all things in all persons. Look up here just for a minute. I want to tell you that what I want to apply this to, I want you to get this for your own individual personal life, that you are being heightened in your awareness that God sent his Holy Spirit on all flesh and that you are and I, we are recipients of the manifold grace of God and that, in fact, God wants to proliferate manifestations of these things in our lives and that we're actually to covet these things earnestly and desire these things. And uh, so here are some of the details of these things. It says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now I want to break it out from you as an individual, now for the common good. And I think about our church, for example. That would be your household, where you work, and then our church, then our community, then the bi-state area. Then the five-state area, then the North American continent, and then Canada and Mexico, and then Central America, South America, then around the world over into Southeast Asia and the Pacific Rim and all throughout Europe, and then the other side, all throughout England, and then Africa, and in all the parts of the nations, India, and the, all the nations, all the earth may be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. It's for the common good. It would do the world good for people to be lit up with these convictions, these aren't ideals from yesteryear. This is not a fantasy-based message. This is biblical. This is accurate, and I agree with Howard Carter. 
that Jesus, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, this provision is available for us right now. Right now. And this provision of the power of the Holy Spirit adds a dimension to our lives. It doesn't make us any more saved, but I'm convinced it makes us more effective in our Christian service. This is the power tool toolbox from heaven. And it's something to consider. It says, uh, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of, the, of spirits or, or discerning of spirits, it says in the King James. To another, various kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now, he wills it. Do you see that? It's God's will to distribute these gifts to the church. Did you hear what I just said? And so let's demystify this a little bit. Howard Carter brings out these these points and segments. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. I've heard people say, well, I'd rather develop in the gifts of the Spirit than the fruit of the Spirit. It's like, let's have both. Why, why go with one or the other? Let, let's take the whole counsel of God, Right? Well, that was such a nice man, and I framed his, he, wrote, he scribbled his name before he died, and I just look at it, and it warms my heart how nice he was. She had no idea how heartwarming he was trying to be. By It was signing a check to him, but he didn't, she was illiterate and didn't understand it. it. had to have somebody come along to say, hey, this is what's up. The revelation gifts are the first three that are mentioned. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. If you're a note taker, this would help you. The word of wisdom, according to Howard Carter, is a supernatural revelation from God of his mind and purpose. A supernatural revelation from God of his mind and his purpose. That's a word of wisdom. Word of knowledge differs from the word of wisdom. It is a supernatural revelation from God of any fact or event. I'll give you a quick example. Jesus operated in a word of knowledge when Nathanael was under the tree there, standing there, and Jesus said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And that was a word of knowledge about that, a characteristic that was present in that man's life. And it blew his mind. So a word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation uh, of any fact or event. Discerning of spirits is a supernatural revelation from God of the presence or activities of the spirit world. And you know, there are angels, there are demons, and there are we have human spirits. And there's and it's discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. Discerning of spirits is not like you just have are guarded and you're suspicious. Discerning of spirits is actually a gift from God. God will prompt us to have a discernment. I'll give you an example of this. During the flood of 93. Uh, then Mayor Jack Leonard assigned me to oversee aspects of the flood cleanup, primarily with the residents, and then also we helped quite a bit with the businesses. For two years, we served, and uh, at one point, there were some people that wanted to come and help the homeowners, and because that was under my jurisdiction, 
the city council asked me to meet with this man and his son, his adult son, at the city hall conference room. So I got my dad, and we went up there, and we sat, and there were the city council members, and here was this couple. They got up, and these guys had a grease board, and they were making this pr presentation. While they were making this presentation, they were sharing about how they, want, they were wanting to help the homeowners to get back on their feet, and, they were, and as they began to explain it, I, my blood started to boil, and I realized that I was in the presence of two liars. I had the discerning, and you could say, well, practically speaking, didn't you just have some horse sense and put two and two together? That wasn't, look, I was sitting with people that were highly educated, business owner type people that were used to making big decisions, and nobody was getting it. Now, I, so God, and, and I don't know that I would have got it. I probably would have been in the crowd and just kind of thought, well, this sounds fantastic, except for one thing. Discerning of spirits kicked in. I slammed my fist on the table, stood up and said, you're a liar, and you need to get out of here right now. My dad just was, he was such a, <laughs> such a sweet man. I still feel bad. I think I made him blow an O-ring or something. But, and, the, and the city council people were looking at me. And the man, the, the man bowed up the, the, and got real aggressive with me. So who are you? And I said, I'm telling you, who are you? You're coming in here trying to steal from these homeowners. And, uh, and I said, how dare you lead your son into this falsehood? And uh, take your stuff and get out of here. And they, they, they argued with me and they finally left. Well, the Chesterfield policeman that did the detective work and checked on him said, you were right. I said, what do you mean? I didn't even know what he was talking about. That thing in the situation there, that was a little weird, man, but... He said, uh, you were right, all the way from Kansas City all the way to St. Louis, they've been dotting all the way through the flood trying to deceive people and try this con artist scheme. You, you can, God will help you to discern and save you money. Con men will come even in the, try to come into church and try to get people to pilfer. They'll find ladies whose husbands died and things like that. It's important. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and a discerning of spirits are really important. You go into a business transaction, and you go in there with, loaded with this awareness that you can have. In addition to your business acumen, the principles you've learned in your books, the study and the development of your skills, the understanding you have of the market and so forth, of human nature. Yet, listen, the Holy Spirit will help us. You can also discern Hey, this is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. I wish I had discerned that about these guys. They could have helped the people. There were like 60 families that had suffered. And what a, what a wonder it would have been if they actually did have monies that could have enriched the people's lives. But they didn't. They were going to enrich their own lives and rip them off. And the Holy Spirit prompted. Isn't that interesting? And that wasn't in a church service. That wasn't in a church service. That was, at the, the, that was in the marketplace. And there are people in here that need to get this and where you start to understand, God, I trust you. In addition to general biblical knowledge and in, in addition to wisdom that I continue to ask for, God, I want that word of wisdom to know what you're doing right now, God. What are you doing in the midst of this crazy time we're in, this pandemic, this season we're in, these transitions in society? What's going on, Lord? I'm coveting earnestly that you'll reveal this to me. And when I went into that meeting, I wasn't bowed up. I was excited and happy and I was trying to do my job that I had committed to. And the Lord helped me to do my job. Hallelujah. I just kind of burnt the hair off some of your heads. But anyway, let's move on here. The next one, gifts of power. Gifts of power. The gift of faith, the gift of working of miracles, and the gift of healing. The gift of faith, listen to this, is a 
the way Howard Carter describes it is a supernatural power given by God protecting from harm or danger. That's kind of incomplete. He goes on later on in his book and basically says where God helps you to see the impossible as possible. And um, Richard Roberts, a beautiful Christian, was here years ago, and he turned to me and he said, you know, you have a gift of faith for this church. And I said, excuse me? He said, you have a gift of faith for this church, uh, or, or you wouldn't even be able to do this. And I thought, wow, because I'd only thought of the gift of faith in terms of what I had experienced. What I had experienced with the gift of faith, it happened to me a number of times when it came around with healing. So I didn't even see it as expanded to the that, that God helps us to see something that seems impossible, to just have indefatigable some addition, faith beyond our Bible faith that comes by hearing the word. It's this, as the Spirit wills, amplified help that comes to us. Yeah. I was in a hospital, and a, little, a young man, a 12-year-old, had been ice, uh, hockey, playing hockey, passed out with a, like a seizure, they scanned him and found that he had a terrible tumor uh, around his brain stem and that he had about seven days to live. They're going to do this radical surgery. And uh, he's a sweet little kid, and he was shaking in his boots in this hospital bed. And uh, I got called upon. I went there. The doctor was out in the hallway. I said, uh, hey, sir, I, you know, I'm the pastor. I just want to know if I could pray for you. He goes, oh, I'm the devil. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the devil. I said, excuse me? And I said, no, 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 We're, we, we honor you. We know you're, you're going to help this boy. We just want to pray for God to give you wisdom. He goes, oh, okay. So he, didn't, he must have had a bad experience with uh, fanaticism at a hospital. With, he must have had some rough Christians act goofy, and I've seen that over and over again. And by the way, I want to tell you, the gifts of the Spirit, I'll tell you what they're not. They're not badges to show everybody else that you're more spiritual than everybody else. That's what they're not. And I've seen people move in that, and God had to purge that to get us ready for this so that it could be humble and, and it could be right in who gets the glory, and, and we could, we'll go away with tears in our eyes. And it won't, it won't produce a, a, a haughtiness. It'll produce a humility because we'll knew, we knew that it wasn't by might or by power, but it was by the Holy Spirit. I stood over the little boy, and something came over me, and I told him, you're going to live and not die. You're going to live and not die. And I felt a strength that was from, a, it, was, it, was not, it was not out of my own con confidence. I was exhausted. I think I had been mowing the lawn. I think I was sunburned like, like you are. I, I mean, I think I had dust in my ears still from mowing the lawn. Remember when I used to come in and I had like grass cuttings in my ears because I had to cut three acres of grass on a 1962 Ford low boy tractor. So then, you know, I'm not talking about coming out of some sort of inner sanctum and being like having glory streaks shooting off of you. I'm talking about a God that pours out his spirit on all flesh. And that means rubber meets the road, whether you're at the city council meeting or whether you're at the hospital or whether you're at work or in your own household. The Holy Spirit wants to quicken things to you. He wants to give you a word of wisdom, word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. He wants to give you uh, this quotient of faith on occasion as the spirit wills we can't manufacture it but we are to covet it and it is his will that we get these things the gift of working of miracles the little boy got healed he grew up built, started a business became very prosperous found a sweetheart got married right here and i dedicated a couple of his babies and he's still serving god to this day 
still alive. Working of miracles precedes the gift of healing. And I remember the, one of the first services we had at the Ivy Chapel United Church of Christ over on Woods Mill Road. A girl named Georgia and her brother came, and we, unbeknownst to us, we didn't know who they were. They'd never been in a ch our church or in a church like this before. They came in. She had a terrible condition, autoimmune, uh, multiple sclerosis, to the level where people had to help her in the bathroom. She had those crutches that had the little braces on the, on the like the metal crutches, and we had metal folding chairs. Uh, at that, the, the chapel didn't let us go in the main building. They put us in the uh, kitchen area, which is okay. And, uh, and, and then she started to slide out of her seat, and the, the crutches started to clang on the chairs, so I noticed her. So I wondered what the commotion was. Well, then I realized, oh, that, that girl needs prayer. She was falling out of her seat and had no muscle control to be able to sit up. That's a dilemma, isn't it? That's like so many cases in the Bible where they're, they're halt and, and palsies and all kinds, and the, the uh, centurion's uh, servant was paralyzed at home, tormented. And so we prayed for about 45 seconds. And the body, it, we didn't call her forward. We didn't lay hands on her. People stretched their hands toward her, prayed the prayer of faith. And uh, so then we had the service. And back then, I mean, I think I preached maybe an hour and a half. And, um, you know, so we had, we had some longer services then. And so then finally, um, I had everybody stand up. Well, when everybody stood up, uh, this lady stood up, and then it occurred to her that she had strength restored in her legs. And she started to scream and shout. And she was going, ah! 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 And I had walked out of the building, and I was saying goodbye to people, and somebody said, the girl they were prayed for at the beginning of the service is standing up, and she's yelling, and she's running. And, and, it was like, and I was shaking hands with people, and I didn't even get to see it. Until she came running by and her, with her brother running with the crutches under her arms. That was the very inception of our church. And I thought, Lord, I want to see this more and more and more. The devil does not want to see that more and more and more. He does not want us to see that. But the Lord apparently wants us to covet earnestly these spiritual gifts. And you know, by the way, that wasn't like, let's put that on a newsletter. That wasn't like something we can go brag about. It was a phenomenon of the grace of God. And she got healed. She joined the military. She got married. She had babies. She came back and visited years later in total health. To God be the glory. And so that was, I think, uh, the work of the miracles throughout the whole body at that point. I think we all got that gift manifested all at the same time. Because it wasn't through a particular gift ministry or minister, it was through the body. And this is why I'm preaching what I'm preaching, because this is actually to be manifest and displayed and a characteristic consistently through your life and mine and ours inside these four walls, but then also out in our particular journey through the course of our life. How many of you would like to see these signs follow? Well, it's through, it's the, they follow those who believe. And remember, Jesus, while they were reclining at the table, rebuked their hardness of heart and their unbelief because they didn't believe what the people, the ladies who came and said, he's not here, he's risen. I don't believe it. It's like he's going, please get that out of your system and get in some understanding. And Howard Carter is basically saying, 
Please get it out of your system that this was just strictly for Jesus' earthly ministry and then to endorse the beginning of the church age and then no more. This is something that's intact and vital for today. Go ask, go ask Georgia if, that, if those gifts should have passed away 2,000 years ago. No, she needed that gift like those people in the villages where Jesus went. You hear that? Now, uh, working in miracles is a supernatural power producing signs and wonders. The gift of healing is a supernatural power given by God removing disease and infirmity. A supernatural power given by God removing disease and infirmity. Remember when the leper in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, came to Jesus after he came off the mountain, bowed before him, and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now that's faith. He said, if you're willing, if it's your will, if it's consistent with, because I don't really know what your will is about healing. He, Jesus clarified it right here for him and for all of us. The centurion apparently found out about it. says, hey, my servant is, he goes, I'll go to your house. I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. Just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. I have not seen such great faith, no, not in all of Israel. He commended the centurion for that faith. But he said, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left the guy's, that was, that was the power, that was miracle working and that was also the gift of healing. Last three, gifts of inspiration. The gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. So the gift of prophecy is supernatural utterance inspired by God in a known tongue. A supernatural utterance inspired by God in a known tongue. And so that's, that. and, and again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you want to just understand a little bit, we don't have time tonight to get into much detail, but I'm just giving the general. We'll go into this as we go because I'm instructed to teach on miracles. So it says here in verse 3 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation or comfort. Edification, exhortation, and consolation. In the New Testament, prophecy is not given for directive purposes. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us in the New Testament examples. The Old Testament, there was guidance from prophets in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, however, you gotta, you gotta see the different age we're in and you gotta understand it's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. You gotta ask yourself, does this glorify Jesus? Is this scriptural? Uh, and is this comforting and consoling or, or is this agitating and vexing? And you gotta judge prophecy. And uh, we've had situations where, you know, and I think we need to open up and, and believe God and have occasions where we just have believers-type meetings where we just trust God and just seek the Lord. And we need to have evangelistic meetings where we're mainly emphasizing the salvation message. We need to have healing meetings where we're believing God for the power of God for healing to see people get delivered. I want to see more people pop out of their chairs like Georgia or that 12-year-old. Or the other kid that was like a, a little kid, and I said, you're, you're, say goodbye to your childhood. That's what I said to him at the hospital. He had cancer. I said, say goodbye to your childhood. You're now you're going to have to fight. Your mom and dad are supporting you in faith. I am standing with you in faith, but you need to fight the good fight of faith. This little kid looked up at me, and he was like, 
He was suffering. He was in pain. And he fought the good fight. And he came out of it. And I traveled with um, David and Taylor and James to Australia. I was invited to speak in Perth, Australia in 2000. And James Province had been diagnosed with cancer. And I know his doctor, his doctor talked to me. I said, is it okay if he goes? And I, you know, I took these men with me to the, this meeting and uh, he bought a surfboard and, you know, and he was getting ready and prepared to, to get worked on. And he came back and he went through all this treatment. He had, you know, chemo and then he had uh, bone marrow stuff and all that, you know, and just, he fought the good fight of faith. He came through it. And then when we did jump, we had, we cast James uh, as Jesus and we cast the little boy, uh, a, a, a young man, as a guy, the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes. It was a story about Jesus at one of the jumps. It was jam-packed with kids. And we built, I don't remember who built the mountains, but I, I sat, as I sat listening and watching, it occurred to me that those two were cancer survivors up on the top of that mountain. So while all these little kids were having camp and we were having jump uh, vacation Bible school, this is what was going on in my mind because I had to visit them and pray with them and believe God with them. But bearing in mind that this is what we are to trust God for, to believe God for, to raise our, our eyes up to and to have expectation of. Listen, the last thing I want to do as a minister is stimulate false hope. I'm not going to throw out and, and project superstition. It's got to have basis. As a Christian, it's got to be based on the word of God and it's got to be accurate. And this is something I have grappled with, and this is something that we are definitely responsible to take hold of. Concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, God does not want us to be ignorant. So he wants us to become available to it. In fact, I'm convinced that right now you're going to get an adjustment, and you're going to start, God is going to knock on the door of your heart, and he's going to visit you with some of these gifts. And he's going to manifest himself to you. He's going to quicken you. He's going to... He's going to strengthen you. He's going, to, he's going to alert you to things. He's going to show you things. And hopefully you're not going to slam your fist on the table and tell the guy, the, the, the charlatans, to leave the city hall. Uh, hopefully you won't have to do that. But in case you do, then there you go. You'll have a discerning of spirits. I've prayed with people, and I could tell when somebody's just sick and messed up, and, somebody that, and then you could also tell if it's demonic in nature. And there's a difference. And, you know, if somebody is just struggling, I asked Lester Summerall himself. Uh, who was friends with Howard Carter and was a mighty dynamic person along these lines. Is every mental case demonic? And he said, no. He said, you could bump your head and have a mental problem. He said, no, they're not all demons. So there you go. Discerning of spirits. We, we, need, we, need, to, we need to not be blind or ignorant of these things. We, we, we don't want to go out into spooky land either. We're not trying to go out into, you know, I mean, Jesus is not presenting voodoo to us. There's a distinct difference. There are warped and distorted things, and then there are real things, right? So we hold to what's true, and we refrain from what's evil. And so the, gift, the, the gifts of revelation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, bring enlightenment, the gifts of power, the gift of faith, the gifts of, of working of miracles, and the gift of healing— they bring deliverance and breakthrough on a high level. And then the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, a supernatural utterance inspired by God in an unknown tongue. Uh, I am convinced, and we'll talk more about this, is I believe for every believer, 
Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. There's indication that there's a difference between a prayer life, praying in other tongues, and then tongues and interpretation of tongues. So this is a kind of a fascinating area. I've been in meetings where people have spoken out in tongues in a service, and then somebody interpreted it. There was a pastor, and he interpreted it. So well, he commended the lady. That was, you know, you're perceptive that something spiritual was going on, but actually all you were doing was praying a, your own personal prayer language. He interpreted it because the Bible says to interpret it. He was obligated to do that biblically, so he did it, but it actually, in fact, wasn't a word for the service, and it was actually disruptive and inappropriate, but yet the pastor was so sweet that he was nice to her and didn't slam his fist on the door and yell at her and tell her to leave, like what might have happened with me. But, no, I wouldn't have done that. But it was a good example, actually. And it was also good that there's liberty to press in, but then also there's order. Well, the Bible, in fact, says, let everything be done in decency and in order. But at least it should be done. It should be done. So I'm believing God for the proliferation and the manifestation of these spirits, of these spiritual gifts, the gift of interpretation of tongues, a supernatural utterance inspired by God interpreting an unknown tongue. Now, we're to covet earnestly spiritual gifts. We're to pray that we might interpret. And I think that this is how I'm going to close. I think that we, I'm responsible as a pastor of these meetings to interpret the services. That's my responsibility. And I can't do it in my own human limitations. I have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. And I would attribute any and all of anything good that's ever happened here in my life to the wonderful Holy Spirit. And I just the other day while I was over there, I was walking past that window and I said, God, thank you, Holy Spirit. You've been so good to me. I'm just so thankful for God the Father, His Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful men of old were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the Word. From Genesis to Revelation, we have this understanding. I'm thankful for a night like this where we could just come together for a few minutes and, and experience what the Scriptures teach and be stirred up and be encouraged because these signs are to follow those who believe. And I'm a believer. I have beliefs. How many of you believe there's a God? You believe in a new birth experience where you could be a new person in Christ. Well, then we have to continue and not limit this or restrict this. This is, in fact, available for the entire church. He said, I would not have you be ignorant brethren. It's very inclusive. This isn't like a little club of the, high, the ultra pepped up group. And I've seen this in the church. And again, the gifts of the Spirit are not badges to show how amazingly spiritual we are to other people. That's pharisaical. That's a Matthew 6 thing that Jesus said to rebuke in many layers. But on the other hand, listen, it's amazing what God can do if we humble ourselves, but yet hunger and thirst after him. Let's all stand up on our feet. Let's all stand up on our feet. Everybody say, I'm coveting earnestly. I'm desiring all the best that God has for me. I'm trusting God that I'm going to rightly divide the word and I'm going to know what he wants me to do and be available to the Holy Spirit. I know the master's voice, the voice of a stranger I will not follow. He'll help me in my business. He'll help me with my finances. He'll help me with my physical body. He'll help me to carry healing to others. 
Salvation to others and deliverance to people. The Lord's going to use me. Put your hands on your belly like this. The Bible says when you're a believer, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So God, I, I pray you stir up a desire, God, a desire to, to know and follow these areas. Lord, I bind, you're the God of peace and not confusion. So I come against all confusion. And I pray clarity about all these different manifestations. I pray, God, we come into a terms as a church. We come into terms in 2021 in all the earth that Jesus will be exalted afresh and anew in a significant way. We offset all the encroachment of all the harshness of anti-Christ, anti-God dynamics. And God, we are fearless. This is a year of strength, hope, joy, and courage. You said only be strong and very courageous. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Now I come against oppression. I come against demonic torment. And I come against the demonic resistance that has been sent to try to hinder. And I say in Jesus' name, we are more than conquerors. Say this with me. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus. Amen.